0: that's happening it's senseless really it's demonic is what it is and God is bringing us together now I'm seeing it more and more I'm seeing it with the pastors in Rochester I'm seeing it with the churches in Rochester Um, when we ministered in Winona that is the most easiest place to minister that I have known you don't have to deal with all the junk And maybe it's just because people's hearts are getting softer to the Lord now. I don't know. But Father God is really doing a mighty work. We as a church not only need to have this fresh, uh, vibrant revelation of sonship to thrust us into the final portion of the Spirit that's going to move us into that, that, that fullness that He wants us to be before He catches us up in the air with His Son. But it's also so we can persevere. Because with the glory comes what? You guys haven't been listening. With the glory also comes the judgment. You cannot have the glory without the judgment. When the glory of God shows up, the judgment of God shows up. Because he's holy, he's righteous. Amen? We want his presence, don't we? We long for it. Well, then, we must understand that not only is he a God of mercy, and praise God for that, but he's also a God of severity. He takes care of the junk in our lives. Amen? And so, we need to understand him as a father, because if we don't understand him as a father, what's going to happen, and unfortunately, I've been seeing some of this already, there's one or two reactions we're going to have as believers. If we don't know him as father, we're either going to run away from him when the fire starts increasing, or we're going to run into him and embrace him Mm -hmm. and and look to him and say, Daddy, I need you. Nothing else makes sense anymore. Um, This whole thing about what Brittany read in Romans chapter 8 is so, so, so real right now. We cannot afford to slip over into the flesh, not one little bit. Not one little bit. Because if we choose to step into the flesh, what's going to happen is it's going to be an open invitation for the devil to come and really wreck havoc in our lives. And he does it through our thoughts. And he starts to say things like, You are unworthy. You are a loser. You're never going to measure up. God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about you. He's not listening to you. If he was listening to you, you wouldn't be in this state right now. And then we can start wallowing in self-pity, right? And feeling like an unwanted stepchild. That's what the devil wants, you know. But how you know what the devil wants is not what we want. We want what God wants. We want to be sons and daughters of his. Because inheritance only flows through sonship. We will not walk in the blessings of God. We will not walk in the fullness of God. We will not be effective witnesses for Jesus Christ unless we understand who we are in him. What does it mean to be a joint heir with Christ? What does it mean to be an heir onto the throne of Almighty God? It means everything. It means everything. Because guess what? The government isn't coming through for us. (laughs) Our own ability and ingenuity, our own smarts, it's not going to come through for us. We're to a point now, church, where if it isn't God, we're not going to make it. And we have to be on fire for God. We need to be at full steam. The question that we need to be asking ourselves and then willing to answer is Am I willing to be fathered? Am I willing to be fathered? And some of you will say, Well, I'm in my golden years. My father isn't here anymore. I'm fathering younger, and you should be, because that's the stage of life that you're in. But how do you know we always need a father? It doesn't matter how old we get. We need to be fathered. Amen. We need Father God. Paul said in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 and 16, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. This is a warning from Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the, tes- of, of the New Testament. He, he fathered many, many churches. He said, I'm writing this to you to warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel, therefore I urge you, imitate me. What a statement that he made. In the born-again experience, there are two specific meanings to being begotten of the Lord. We spent a couple weeks on this, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time. This is just a quick review. Number one. It means to be uniquely marked or sealed for a purpose. When you're begotten of the Lord, you're uniquely marked and sealed for a purpose. It says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, the day that you said, Jesus, come into my heart, be Lord and Savior of my life. Immediately, the seal of the Holy Spirit was put upon you. It was put upon you to let everyone know especially the demons and the angels, that you're God's property. Amen. Amen. Secondly, to be begotten of the Lord means to be taken out of and formed into maturity. So we're sealed for God for our unique purpose, yes, but then God takes a portion of himself, which is all of himself, and he puts it inside of us in seed form. And because he puts that precious treasure of his DNA inside of us, then he's committed to seeing you come to maturity in that seed. There isn't a good daddy out there that doesn't want to see his son or daughter excel farther than he has. Amen. A father always has in mind that he's going to shape and form his offspring. But in order for us to be begotten or to get into that place of maturity or high purpose, we spend two weeks on this. I, got, I can't stay on this. Okay, say, if I get to the say, move on, Pastor. We have to be willing to go through the process. Yay, the process. We love the process. Some people would call it the wilderness experience, whatever you want to call it. Some might call it really close to hell. But others may call it that it's, it's okay because as long as you're in the center of God's will, everything's going to work out. Say process. Process. Say, I have that. that. Good. It takes two to be begotten, to be marked for your unique purpose, in other words, and to be formed into maturity, it takes two people. It takes two parties. It takes a father. Amen? Because the father, what? The father has the seed to put in you, but he also has the legacy to put upon you. Okay? Okay. So it takes a father, but it also takes a son or daughter. A father cannot impart things to a son or daughter, even if it's his biological child, if that child doesn't want to receive. And we've all been there. We have children, and you see danger coming, and you're saying, no, son, daughter, you can't do this, but they want to do it so badly. And so they get what's called a snit. And they feel like, You're holding them back, and you're hampering and damaging their life for all eternity, right? So sometimes they just go ahead and just do what they want to do anyway. And then they have to pay pay the consequences for their decision. So it takes two. It takes a father, it takes a son. Now, there are two things needed to be begotten as a spiritual son or daughter. And I have shared this before with you, but it needs to be shared again. It takes commitment, and it takes availability. If you want to be begotten of the Father, you have to be committed to the Father, and then you also have to be available to the Father. Amen? Otherwise, you will be illegitimate if you just do your own thing. What is the meaning of commitment? The meaning of commitment is this. It means to surrender, expose, deposit, means to believe and to trust. It's to abandon ourselves to someone else. Abandon our will, abandon uh, what we want to do to somebody else. In other words, it's to surrender our lives for the exclusive use of somebody else. When you make a commitment to somebody else, that's what you do. Those of you that, have, that we've had the opportunity to marry we take you through the dream marriage course. And in the dream marriage course, that's from Apostle Swilly, which by the way, he and his wife Deborah are gonna be here in September. I already bought their plane tickets, they're all ready to come, they said they can't wait to be here, so they're coming, okay? It's not one of these deals like we had before. Rennie's coming and then he didn't come, right? <laughs> This is happening. <laughs> so, but as I shared with those young couples, I say, in order to have a dream marriage, we, you must purpose in your heart to let go of your single life. If you still hang on to your single life after you get married and say, I do, and I give my heart to you, honey, and I'm, you know, starry eyes are up at the altar, they're crying, they're all emotional. This is so wonderful. This is the day that they've been dreaming of all their life. And they're exchanging their heart uh, vows to each other. But if they walk away after they say, I do, and they're still living their single lives, how many to know that that marriage is not going to last? But to be committed to one another in marriage, you have to exclusively give up yourself to that other person, and they have to exclusively give up their selves to you. Marriage is not 50-50 makes 100. A dream marriage is 100% plus 100% equals a new 100%. Those of you that wanna make it big in sports, you have to make a commitment that you're gonna eat right, that you're gonna drink right, that you're gonna train and be disciplined to a regimen, right, so you can get good at it. Those of you that wanna pursue a career, you forfeit the wages to make big bucks right now at a job, you go to school, eat macaroni and cheese seven days a week, Amen. You go without for a long time so you can graduate and go out and get a real job. Commitment. It's not a swear word. It's one that we have to get a hold of in our lives if we want to mature and be all that God wants us to be. Right? Remember, it takes a process. A process just doesn't happen like that. It takes commitment. Commitment. To get there. In short, commitment means sacrifice. If you're truly a committed man or woman, you're going to be a man or woman of sacrifice where you say no to yourself at times so you can say yes to that dream that you're committed to fulfill. It implies a firm resistance to any temptation to desert or betray in the moment of crisis. That's huge. When you want to walk away from that commitment, no, you don't walk away because you've made a commitment to do that thing or to be a part of that thing. Amen. The Bible says if, if our faith fails us in days of, uh, of adversity, then our faith is small. If we allow the little things to trip us up or we just want to throw in the towel, come on, we'd be throwing in the towel every day. And you're saying, oh, Pastor, don't you realize I do throw in the towel every day? You know what? The Bible says, though a righteous man falls seven times, falls seven times he gets back up. God knows that it's difficult now. This is a difficult hour. I told you about that in 2 Timothy chapter 3. These are harsh, difficult to deal with days. God knows that. So you might slip up. So you might throw in the towel. You didn't mean it, because in your heart, you're still committed. You're still committed to fulfill what God's called you to do and be. So just get back up again. Look at your neighbor and say, get back up. Get back up. To be truly committed means to strictly obey the promises or covenants that you made to God. That covenant that you made to God when you came to the cross of Calvary, and you said, God, I can't do this anymore. I can't live my life just onto myself. I need a Savior. I need you to come and save me and deliver me from myself. Amen. Come on, somebody. I know it might have been a long time when you said that prayer, but can you remember that? Because a true committed man or woman of God is just as committed today, even more so than they were that day that they gave their heart to Jesus. A true committed Christian stays the course. Oh yeah, I got a joke for you. You want a joke? (laughs) Do you know that there's an avid golfer in the Bible? Yeah, yeah, there is. Do you know who it is? It's the Apostle Paul. He said, I fought the good fight and I finished the course. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. The guys back there said they'd be my, my applause team, so thank you. <laughs> Moving on. Why do we need to be committed? Hmm. A true spiritual father has the best intentions for you. And he offers his very best to impart onto you everything that he has. He's there to offer you his supply of wisdom. He's there to offer his knowledge and understanding as best that he can. To tell you the truth. Beloved, I can only give you what God's given me. There's nothing more I can give. And I'm sorry if that isn't enough at times. I give what I can. I give what God has given me. But know this. I cannot bring you into maturity if you don't allow me to. I can't. Nor more than Christ can be your Lord and Savior if you don't want him to be. In order for you to be begotten, you must be committed. You must first commit yourself to God with everything that's within you. The message I gave on Friday night at the outreach was a story of... um, it was a story about the rich young ruler. I had to think for a second there. What was it? The rich young ruler. And the title of the message was that, uh, you know, he'd loved, but he still lacked. And I gave him three words. I gave him a word of congratulations. I gave him a word of warning. And I gave him a word of direction. Bible backwards and forwards. He knew the law, and he never transgressed the law. He said, Jesus, I've kept all these things from my youth. Jesus looked at him, and he loved loved him. And he said, but there's still one thing you lack. The one thing that he lacked, and it's the thing that all of us lack, if we're not careful, he lacked surrendering his life completely to the Lord. Because his idol was his riches and his position in the synagogue. Things are winding down. They're winding down. You don't have tomorrow to get it right. None of us do. Today is the day of salvation. <laughs> Don't harden your heart in the time where you're being persecuted or going through it. Listen, Father, God's putting you through it because he loves you. Come on. Oh, I'm going to start talking about process again. He chastises those whom he loves. If you're not being chastised by God, then guess what? God doesn't love you. But that's not possible because God always loves. And if you gave your heart to him, he's not going to let go of you. But you must commit yourself to God. There are many that want the blessings of God, but they don't want to commit to the process necessary for them to have it. Many struggle in their finances. They struggle in their marriages. Their kids are acting up. They're just struggling in general with their relationships. They're frustrated and exasperated. Maybe some of you today are feeling that way. I don't need a show of hands, but, you know, that's real life. Come on. And there are times when one, people are going through a hard time. They'll pick up the phone, they'll call, and they'll say, I don't understand why things are falling apart in my life. And the question I ask them is, Are you committed? Number one, are you committed to God? Number two, are you committed to His will? Are you committed to His ways? committed to the spiritual father that he's placed in your life. I had just given my heart to Jesus. I was a young Christian. Maybe a Christian for three years. We were already married. Newly married. I was still finishing my bachelor's degree at Stout. We lived in Altoona. I had to drive 35 miles to get to school in Menominee. I was feeling sorry for myself. Yes, I was. I wanted some relief. Because I'm here to tell you, God never, ever, ever, ever wants you to be in a condemned state. Get that, get that know that, know that you are not meant to be condemned. But you've got to stay in the spirit. The moment you slip, slip into the flesh, I'm telling you, you'll, be, you'll feel the con- condemnation immediately. So I go driving over to the, the, the Assembly of God church that we were attending, that we got married in, it was on the west end of Eau Claire, and so I, I drove my car, Mr. Feedback, we drove my car over to see Pastor Christensen. i my way to school. I go knocking on his door. Come on in, Pete. I sit down. He goes, what's on your heart? I start crying. Oh, this is happening, that's happened. da 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 and he looked at me he goes um did you read your bible today i go no he stood up from his desk and i got the, i got the message i said thank you pastor and i was fine after that we want somebody to do it for us all the time that's right we want somebody to it's like going to the Chinese restaurant. I hope I get a good fortune cookie. I just need something. Can I tell you something? I love prophecy. I really do. I love prophecy. I desire it out of all the spiritual gifts, right? But again, if you're just looking for a word from somebody else and you're not spending time in the word yourself, listen, you're going to open yourself up to all kinds of stuff. And that's not to bring condemnation on anybody. I'm just telling you the truth. We need to be Father. We need to be committed. Until we're truly committed to God, God cannot commit his promises to us. Some of you are believing for healing. Are you standing on the healing scriptures? Are you confessing them every day? Are you seeing yourself healed? Are you coming to the healing rooms every week that they're open and having the healing team pray for you? Who cares if you come every week? Who cares if you're a regular? Come every day. Come every week until you get healed. Don't give up. Oftentimes we just settle because it's just easier. It's just easier just to settle than to actually face the fact that, well, maybe I've given up. Maybe I've thrown in the towel. Excuse me, maybe I'm not as committed as I think I am. It isn't that God doesn't, isn't there and that he doesn't want to be committed to us. It, it, it's certainly not that he, the issue that he's not capable of being committed to us. No, he's capable of completing this work that he began in us until the day of his son. Philippians 1, 1.6, one of my favorite verses in the, all the Bible. But the issue lies with us. Are we fully committing ourselves to him? In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. First things first, it's a principle in God's word that will always, 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 always bring a blessing. If we want the, but sometimes we want the blessing without sacrifice. We want prosperity without sowing. We want purpose without activation. We want inheritance without impartation. We want the anointing without paying the price. And let me tell you, church, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, it says, Therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me, For those who honor me, those who honor me, the scripture says, those who honor the Lord, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. If you're a son or daughter, yes, number one, you will be committed. Number two, you'll be available. I've had some people come up to me, yeah, even in this church. And they'll say, Pastor, I want to be your son. Or I want to be your daughter. I want you to mentor me. They'll even quote Psalm uh, 37, verse 37, that says, Mark the blameless man and observe the upright, for the future of that man is peace. They'll continue to say, you know, I've been watching you. I've been watching you. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll be there whenever you want me to be there. Just ask. Even if everybody else, oh, and this is, is, oh, I can tell you probably about at least a dozen times I've heard this. Even if everybody else leaves the church, I'm not leaving the church. I will be here. Mm -hmm. And I go, wonderful. So I tell them what I want them to do, and all of a sudden I get all these excuses why they can't do this or that. (laughs) I don't have time. I can't make it then. Pastor, I would love to do that, that you're asking me to do, but you know, that isn't my thing. And cleaning the toilets, that isn't my thing. Mm -hmm. But I'm there for you, Pastor. (laughs) Yeah. I say, come to it. this was a good one. I said to this person, I said, I don't see you coming to any of our social events, like picnics, or I think we had some sort of dinner, and that person wasn't at the dinner, and I said, why weren't you at the dinner? Well, you know, I'm kind of an introverted person, and I'm not really good with people. And I said, well, then you're not going to be good in ministry, because ministry is people prayer. Oh, you know, I would love to be there, but that time on Saturday morning just doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. I've already had my time with the Lord. Okay. You want me to mentor you, but how can I mentor you if you're not following me? I'm not going to chase after you. If you want to be mentored, Then, guess what? You're going to have to stay close to me. Commitment and availability. They want to be a son or daughter, but you don't see them. And uncommitted people are the ones that put a cap on the ministry. Because I've discovered through the years that they put the most demand on you and they offer the very least. We're having Dan Fifield coming, and I'm, I'm glad that we are. My heart is for the homeless. My heart is for the down-and-outers. I'll get down in the ditches with them. I will. I'll do whatever I have to do. My, I, I would love to have, just serve in a soup kitchen. That would be fine with me. I, I, that's what I would love. But I can't begin to tell you the hours, the hours I've spent with people, homeless people, other than what we're storing up in heaven, that's all I'm getting back in return. Mm -hmm. See, you don't do ministry so you can get. You do ministry so you can give more. Therefore, I've come to the point if someone's just going to be all talk and no walk, then I'm going to let them walk. Because we don't have time for just talk. We must be about the Father's business. I love 1 John 2.19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. In other words, they never took the time to be begotten of the vision of the house. They never took the time to allow the vision of the house to be imparted and impacted in their lives. Because if they had been begotten of the house, they'd still be with us. But they weren't of us. They went their own way. Amen. Amen. Listen, God has marked all of us for a purpose. But in order to fulfill it, we must first commit. We must commit to God. Because if you can't commit to God fully, you'll never commit to another person. That's, right. That's why I tell couples that are getting married, do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Because if they don't, that marriage isn't going to last. Secondly, you need to be committed to a spiritual father. And thirdly, you need to be committed to the body that he has placed you in. Commitment commitment and availability goes both ways, and I know that. The door swings both ways, and I know that. And I know what God has chastised me about. And I'm making changes just like all of you are making changes. It takes a commitment for me to say, I want to beget you. I want to develop you. I want to take you into maturity. Even if I have to repeat messages over and over and over and over and over again. I'm committed to seeing you matured. I'm committed to seeing you succeed. I'm committed to seeing you fulfill your full potential, your full destiny in Christ. I will teach you. I will impart to you. I will stay up all night and intercede for you if that's what it takes. I believe in you and I believe in you. When everybody else has walked away and said that person's washed up, they're never going to make it. Pastor, when are you going to do something with that person? Because a true father sees through the mess you see and sees the potential in that person. He sees the goodness in that person. He sees the hope of Jesus Christ in that person. However, I can't force my fatherhood upon anybody any more than Jesus Christ could force us to follow him. It's a choice, you see. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus says to his disciples, who do men say that I am? And they they tell him. But then he says the most important question that he's saying to all of us. Who do you say? Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And until we get a revelation from God of who Jesus Christ is and what his mission is for us, likewise, until we get a revelation from God on who our spiritual father is and what his mission is, his vision is, we will not allow ourselves to be begotten. And you'll always be looking for the, the, the better thing. You'll always be looking for something better. You'll always be looking for a, a replacement. You're always going to be looking for a teacher that's going to itch your ears and give you what you want to hear. But that teacher's not there to watch over you. That teacher isn't there to see you day in and day out and hold you accountable. And if we're not begotten, we will not be uniquely marked or sealed for the high purpose that God has for our lives. And if we're not uniquely sealed for that high purpose and marked for that high purpose, then we are going to lack our identity and our direction in our lives. If we're not begotten, we'll have mixture in our spiritual DNA. And it does nothing but create confusion and spiritual immaturity. We'll never grow up. I thought of 2 Timothy 3, verse 7, it says, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's an immature person that refuses to be begotten. They're always learning, always running here and there, learning, but they're never coming to the knowledge of the truth. I'm willing to commit to you. Are you willing to commit to me? I'm willing to be available to you. Are you willing to be available to me? I can't do it for you, nor can I do it without you. See, the fact of the matter is, we need one another, and that's why the Lord has really pulled me up short. And I am purposing to meet with other pastors. I'm I'm purposing to build relationships in this spiritual community here in Rochester because I know that we're not the end all. And I need what they have. We need what they have. This is hard for me, because I never ever want to force anybody to do it, and I can't, I can't. I I, I can't force you to come to church, I can't force you to worship, I can't force you to pray, I I can't do any of that. But I'm gonna do whatever I can to encourage you. I encourage you to come on Wednesday nights, You say, but I don't like to worship. Well, then you're not going to like heaven because that's all we do up in heaven. <laughs> and I know we've got a young worship group that's just learning. But those of us who are mature should be there to help them and encourage them. Amen. Amen. The story of Elijah and Elisha really says it all turn with me to 2nd Kings chapter 2 and I'm going to be done 2nd Kings chapter 2 starting in verse 1 and it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal and Elijah said to Elisha stay here please for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel but Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as your son lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, uh, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as your son lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elijah and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? So he answered, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Like Elijah, all of us have been begotten by an Elijah. There's always been someone, a spiritual father that has gone before us to get us to where we are today. Amen. Every one of us in this house has been marked for a purpose. We've been taken out of the spiritual father, and I've done my best to impart to you what I have and what I know from scripture. To bring every one of us to a place of maturity, I truly believe that we're ready now. We're ready to walk into our inheritance. We're ready to grab everything that God has for us and just run with reckless abandon. Amen. It hasn't been easy. It hasn't been easy but you've allowed yourself to go through the process, and I congratulate all of you for doing that. Even though a spiritual father gives you permission to leave him, what did Elisha say? He says, as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. Even when others tell you, Look, the Lord is going to take up your master today. He's washed up. He's finished. He's so out of touch. Who's going to listen to him? Why are you wasting your time there? A true mature son will say, Yes, I know, but keep silent. Shut your mouth. A true son or daughter stays committed and available until the very end. So in the final stages before your father... Passes his mantle on to you. He takes you on a final journey. and He takes you to some places. First, he takes you to Bethel, which means the house of God. And he says, son, I'm going to take you to the house of God. Stay here with me. I encourage you, whenever the doors are open for services here, come. I know that things happen. I know life happens. And it's busier now than it's ever been. But do not forsake. The gathering of the brethren. Do not forsake the assembling coming together. We need to encourage one another. We need to feed off of each other. We need to impart to each other. We need to submit to one another in that spirit of love. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You need to say as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. Secondly, he took him to Jericho. That was a place of fragrance. It's near the Jordan. And he says, son, I'm going to take you to a place where the sweet fragrance of the Lord permeates the atmosphere. Elijah, please stay here with me. Again, we're going to start worship nights on Wednesday. I don't know for how many weeks. Maybe it's only going to be for a couple. Maybe it's going to be for five. I don't know. But let's practice the presence of God again. Let's get into the presence of God. Let it not be work. Let it just be fun. Just to come. Let our hair down. Without any pretense. Without any set agenda. And just let the Holy Spirit just take us where he wants to take us. Is there anything wrong with being led by the Spirit of God? Is there anything wrong with feeling his presence? And just desiring more. So I'm saying come. Come to the Jordan where the sweet fragrance of the Lord is. And your response should be as a good Elisha's. As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. Then we take you to Jericho. Well, we already did Jericho. We take you to Jordan. Jordan. This is the final stop. Jordan means to descend, to go down. Elijah's about ready to leave. His time in ministry is done. This next move of God isn't going to be the big name preachers. It's not going to be the big name preachers. It's going to be every one of you here. The mantle is being passed on to you. Mm -hmm. You know, you've, you've been discipled, you know, you're not novices in this thing. Called the spirit of living God. He's saying, son, can't you see that my time is coming to an end? I'm slowing down because my departure is at hand. Son, would you please stay here with me? This is going to require all of us, isn't it? You and me, we're going to have to humble ourselves before Almighty God. We're going to have to die to self, die to flesh. We're going to have to abandon ourselves so we can submit ourselves to him. And to one another. The glory of God is increasing. It's increasing. We need each other. So we can grab a hold of it. And our response should be, Elisha's, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. Yeah. This, I'm just going to finish reading this and then we're going to be done. Let's, let's pick it up in verse 8. So now Elijah, after they went to those three places, now Elijah took his mantle, he rolled it up, and struck the water, and it was divided this way and that, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. How many you know that's a miracle? And so it was, when they had crossed over, that Elijah said to Elijah, Ask, what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you? Elijah said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, you've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if, nevertheless, if, nevertheless, if, there's a condition there. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if if not, it shall not be so. I'm closing with this and listen carefully. How we live our lives right now, right, right now, currently, is going to determine the portion of glory that we're going to be flowing in. And God honors men and women who are number one, committed, and number two, are available. We're celebrating Pentecost today, aren't we? Yeah. The Catholic Church said Easter was going to be on this time, and then we go 50 days from when the Catholic Church said Easter was to be, and it's Pentecost. It's not the Jewish Pentecost, but it's the fulfillment of the Jewish Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. They started out with, some say, 500 people in that upper room. But it's only those, the 120 that were left, that were committed and available. Come on, you guys. that were able to receive that outpouring. It's only going to be the committed and available here at River of Glory that are going to receive the outpouring. It only is. And it's coming. It's coming. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Well, Father, we thank you and we praise you for today. We thank you, God, for speaking to us. Speaking so plainly to us. It couldn't get any plainer than that, than what you've given us, Lord. For all of us to be committed and available. Committed and available to you and committed and available to one another. Because it's not an us against them. It's all of us together. Father, I thank you for these sheep. I bless them. I thank you, God, that what you've placed inside of them is Absolutely incredible. And I thank you that they're exceeding and abounding in the precious gifts that you've given them, which are without repentance. You've given anointings and giftings that are just magnificent. And I thank you, God, that they're coming to the forefront in this hour. Because truly, people here are committed and they are available bless them just as you blessed Elisha right and gave him that double portion he did twice as many miracles as Elijah and father I thank you that that is going to be the case for everyone in this place we thank you for the outreach today in Winona we thank you for the many souls that are going to be ministered to in the impartation of your spirit over that whole region We thank you for what you're doing here in Rochester and how the best is yet to come. We give you glory. We give you honor. We thank you for the increase in the healing rooms ministry, for the miracles, signs, and wonders that are taking place there, what's happening in our children's church, and our children's ministry, signs, wonders, and miracles happening there, what's happening with our youth, what are happening with our men and the women, every one of us, my God. Because it truly is that time for the revealing of the sons of you. Each one of us to be revealed like never before. So bring us back together again, Lord, the next time. We love you, we praise you, we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.